0: Welcome to WordBirds, where you'll hear content conversations directly from the flock. Join Christopher Willis in conversation with content experts and thought leaders as they chat about how to make the most out of your words in business. Here's your host, Chris.
1: Hello, and welcome to WordBirds, a birds of a feather conversation between people who care about words. Today on the show, we have self-professed spicy little Italian Lisa Spinelli. Lisa is the Director of Content Strategy for the Learning Management System degree. We're going to talk today about chasing content performance and about the vision, the dream of better content reporting, amongst other things on the show today. So let's go ahead and sit back and get some insight from the flock. Hello, Lisa, and welcome to WordBirds. Excited to have you here.
0: Thanks for having me, Chris.
1: I would like to understand, just out of the gates, and I think that our listeners would like to understand a little bit more about you. Tell me a little bit more about you and what you do.
0: Okay, well, a little bit about me. I'm a spicy little Italian who wound up going from journalism into content marketing. And I was unwillingly moved away from Rome to Oklahoma City by my now veteran husband. And so have worked in kind of both the light and dark sides of content, if you will. (laughs) Although I never strayed fully into PR. So I uh, take one step back. I didn't go into the absolute dark side. Yeah. So I I fell in love with the learning and development space after I was doing content at ATD, which is the association for talent development used to be called ASTD back in the day. And then I got to degree now through contacts from there. So in the industry that I love doing a bunch of content, which I'm skilled at and am having a great old time.
1: What did you study? How did you end up in journalism?
0: I studied journalism. Wow. Um, <laughs> you
1: studied <laughs> yeah, something well, that you ended up doing.
0: I know. It was weird. Well, actually, when I was in undergrad, they didn't really have a journalism degree at UVA. So I was up in Northern Virginia doing HR work, actually, at some point. And then a friend of mine who is a DJ was like, I'm going to start a local DJ magazine. And I was like, all right, cool. I'll write for it. And I figured, you know what, this is way more fun than doing HR. So let me see if I can do this full time. And I applied to Columbia's grad school program, got in there and then decided to do journalism for a while.
1: And then you were a full-time DJ magazine, right? No,
0: nah, I, I was, was wasn't a really terrible DJ. So we won't go into any of that.
1: <laughs> Fair enough. Your role today. So you're the director of content strategy. And I mean, I feel like that's a lot of things to a lot of people. Content strategy is a widely used and yet widely misunderstood area of the business. I like content. I like strategy. I feel like they go together. I'm going to call myself a content strategist. Is there more to that than that? Explain what you mean.
0: Yeah. Well, I didn't come up with the title. So I didn't actually create that for myself. But I was hired in as, yes, an actual strategist because they had a lot of people doing content. And I feel like this happens a lot of the times at a lot of organizations. People jump in, they start doing whatever words they think should be the keywords for the company. They start producing a bunch of content around those words or ideas or hot trending topics. And there's not a lot of what do we have? What do we need? Where are we going? Looking at all the pieces that are working, not working. Why are they not working? What does that mean? So a lot of analysis, I guess, and strategic thought. One of my Clifton strengths, by the way, top five. Thank you very much. (laughs) Would be interested to know yours, Chris. Do you know yours?
1: I do not. Oh,
0: no. You're going to have to go take the test after this.
1: I guess I will. I'm excited to now.
0: (laughs) I know. Yeah. So I don't know. Strategy, like looking at all the pieces, kind of road mapping for the future. And it's fun. It's exciting. It's only really exciting if what you think is going to work actually works. But
1: how well aligned are you from a content strategy standpoint with the revenue engine of the business? Like, are you integrated in with the business results? You're creating content specific to objectives and goals from a revenue standpoint?
0: Yeah, totally. So degree, there's a big push to managing towards the constraints. So apparently it's a business model, which I never took any business classes. I would have failed miserably.
1: (laughs) I have a theater degree. So yeah,
0: well, there you go. (laughs) Yeah. I think I took a couple accounting classes in college and that didn't go so well. So yeah, apparently this is a business idea model that a lot of people use, manage to the constraints. What our constraints are right now is definitely a push towards content and all things within the organization. But yes, as a very revenue generating focused organization, unlike nonprofits that I've worked at before, we're definitely working towards generating leads and closing deals and all the things that nonprofits are not too concerned about
1: (laughs) my content team is actually measured on pipeline because there isn't a lead that we create that doesn't come from something that the content organizations created they are the bait for everything that we do and then once we bait you in we have to provide you with premium something and it's generally premium content so Mm -hmm. they're directly aligned with the rest of the revenue engine as if they were demand gen but two completely separate organizations supporting each other. Right. Yeah. It just seems to work best in that model. So, is that the purpose of the content that you create at Degreed? Is it around the creation of leads? Is it around the creation of awareness? What are you trying to accomplish?
0: Everything. So, I have a very huge team of two right now. But we are mighty and we are all across the funnel. So we're doing concept, development, production, quality assurance around all stages. We have like four stages of the funnel, basically. Mm -hmm. So yes. So definitely, we are not alone in our little two-person team. So there are freelancers and things like that that help out.
1: Yeah, that was my question. So are you creating everything in-house or are you working with agencies, externals? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah. to
0: all the other pieces, because there's no way that in my vision for the future, two people can do this without wanting to hurt themselves at the end of the day. I
1: mean, I imagine that you've built out a personality for the business, at least from the content that you create. Is that fair to guess that you've done that tone of voice, clarity levels, education level of your audience, that type of thing?
0: Yeah, sure. I mean, we have personas and we definitely have a very specific style and tone at DeGreed. Very much unlike a lot of other software as a service type of companies that you would see, it has a very specific branding. So we are in tune with that branding and the tone and the style for the writing is all around that.
1: I'm going to use a a difficult term for folks, but I'm going to say govern. How are you governing all those externals that are creating content so that what comes into your business is ready to be used? Or do you have to do that? Do you have to retrofit everything?
0: We are currently in the process of ramping up. So I just started in April. So we have undergone a lot of shifts and changes since those last three months that I've been there. We do have freelancers that are working and we do our own style guide check on it. But everybody who's hired on has access to our style guide and in theory anyways, is looking it over and understands <laughs> what we're trying to do. So we may be injecting some of our personality and tone and everything into the pieces, but it's all there readily available for mm-hmm. anyone.
1: Yeah, I um, I can't tell you how much I love reading company style guides and how often I do it. Um, <laughs>
0: It's amazing reading material. <laughs> yeah, I'm
1: not sure I've ever... Anyway, anywho, working past that my company actually makes that so that I don't have to. It's just built into our product. Sitting where you're sitting, what's your biggest challenge in creating content that's going to drive the needle for the business?
0: Mm. I guess part of it would be, of course, resources, right? You like never have enough resources that you want. Never. Because as soon as you get a little bit of what you want, you want more. But that's part of the problem. And then there's always the problem of salespeople just giving out your content. And then there's no way to track who's reading it, how much they're reading, heat mapping, any of that kind of stuff. Oh my God, that's a
1: huge thing for me. I totally agree with that. That's a huge issue. So I don't. you're going to get me on a rant, but I have this vision and maybe yeah. you have a shared vision of single document, single place, infinite mm-hmm. tracking. So I want a document. If this is a piece of content, I want it to live in one place and I want it to be able to be used for whatever I want to use it for from that one place. So if it's a piece of product material, it lives in one place. And if a salesperson shares it, they share it from that place. It, people come back to that place to read it. I can see that it's been shared. I can see that Mm -hmm. it's been consumed. I can see that it's internal or external. I can understand how my content is being used and by whom so that I can build a better product for our audiences. Yeah, I feel like I've got a lead on how to do that, but it's difficult because people take things and they fix things and change things and move things and copy things onto their computers. And before you know it, that single slide deck that you created that you thought was your masterpiece has been taken and changed so many times, it is unrecognizable. And this vision. I see it so clearly, but nobody else cares about my vision.
0: <laughs> nobody cares about your vision. Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't think. God, I hope they're not changing things around too much. I mean, I know that they, they probably they are, are a little bit. Now you made me even more sad. It's, they're <laughs> they changing. No, as soon yeah. as you
1: give them the keys to something, they're going to change it. And we don't live in a world where everything is PDF anymore, the way it used to be, or even yeah. better, when things used to be printed and people would come and take them out of the rack in your office. I used to have the coolest glass racks that hung on the wall and you'd come, and you'd take your marketing material out of it and you'd head out to your meeting. And we don't mm-hmm. do that anymore. We just take Google Docs and change them. And yep. it's very difficult. I'm working with a company. This is not an endorsement, but I'm working with a company called Paperflight in India they're a content repository, they're a a younger company, and they've been really responsive on this topic. I've been working directly with their product owner and their CTO to try and get some sense of where I'm headed with this. And i feel like we can get there. But I mean, it would be transformative to be able to do this, but it's difficult to rein in a whole organization that's constantly growing and evolving around that single view of a piece of content, but envision a world where you could know every single place that your content's been. That would be amazing. Amazing. Mm -hmm. There's probably people listening right now that work at content management systems that are like, we do that. Call me. (laughs)
0: Oh, I'm going to get her email and send her a note now. (laughs)
1: Free reign. You know how to find me. Tell me that you make
0: this. I mean, we definitely have spots where we probably could be tracking it better. But again, resources. Get your content together. Get Acrolinks.
1: It's hard. And I think that understanding and maximizing of resources by working on the right things, that's exciting because much like you, we're a small organization and we're serving some of the biggest companies in the world Mm -hmm. and we need to have it together and we need to know what the demand is, how content's being used, where it's being used, where we need to change it, because we're also looking at just the individual results of each piece. Like we created this, we spent a dollar amount on this in people and time and effort and potentially actual money if we did it externally and how do you measure the ROI on content, when that content is, you can't wrap your hands around it anymore. It's everywhere. And that just, it makes it difficult to know where to put your investment because I don't really know if this was impactful. I think it was. Anecdotally, it feels like it is. I mean, I know that you've thought that at some point, you're like, well, I feel like this is probably a great piece of content. But getting to that answer would be the holy grail because then you take your minimal resources and you point them at the things that are working someday. Yeah.
0: And I mean, part of also, So I think the issue a lot of the times is you can track really well with certain systems for those leads. And even sometimes you can track them for marketing qualified leads, and then it starts to get a little trickier. Like, Mm -hmm. well, what are the grades of those leads and what converted down all the way to a customer? Oh, but it wasn't that person that became the customer. So was that counted towards it? And then you need like a multi-touch view of everything. And then that gets really time consuming and expensive and takes many years to actually see how much content you produced over the years actually influenced one company to come with multiple people. So it's really hard to track content. Any which way, even if everybody's doing everything 100% accurately, it's really hard to track it. And the lead time for it, it can be, yeah, it can be six years in the making before but has a big influence.
1: Yep. No, so oh, absolutely. To yeah, believe I mean, it's, it's, it's
0: only a week, but that usually is not the case.
1: <laughs> We're getting closer, You're getting closer, yeah. but it still is one of the, the bigger challenges that I deal with on a day-to-day basis, because we are so content marketing heavy in our approach. I just want to know more all the time. And we can know so much about our demand gen organization. And we can know so much about the funnel that the sales team is working. All of those things are easier to track, challenging in their own ways, but easier to track. But content just has a life of its own.
0: Yep. I agree.
1: Hard, hard (laughs)
0: times. (laughs) We're like surgeons here, really. Like doing so much.
1: Outside of all of that data that we'd love to know, how are you gauging successful versus, I'll call it challenged content? How do you know right now, or how do you think you know what's working and where to take your decision-making?
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I think... As far as what's working, we can really track as much as we were talking about the fallacy of the tracking systems. We can track at least how much it's hitting the goals of what we're placing upon the content. Is it really getting open? How long are people spending on these pieces? We can heat map pieces up to a point and see where people are looking. So there is some analytics we can do as to see... What they're actually looking at. And if we are starting to do this nice thing too, where we kind of go back and look at all the multiple touches. So the multi-touch approach for when we do land a big client and see all the different pieces that they touched and the things that they didn't touch. So that really speaks... Volumes to me, what pieces are actually working and being shared over and over again? Who's so, doing
1: that work? Is that your team or is that marketing operations? Like, yeah, it's marketing
0: to... operations.
1: All right. Interesting.
0: Yeah, which is great because this is one of the first times that I've actually had anybody in a marketing ops team helping out. Usually it's been our little like teams trying to figure out what people mm-hmm. were looking at with very archaic type of systems to figure it out. So this is nice. We're not to give a plug or anything, but HubSpot, we're using HubSpot and that's nice. And we're using Domo and we're using like a bunch of tracking tools. So it is nice to be able to have higher level tracking involved. Absolutely. And then as far as like the future goes... It's all around the new marketing, messaging, SEO, using SEO tools, online software tools, and being able to do that analytics as to what we can really go after. And we're we're close to being number one and things like that. So
1: fantastic. So where does it go... I guess, from here, what's your biggest challenge leading into 2023, which is, by the way, only four months away from now? What are you looking down the pike at? (laughs) Thanks for that
0: one, Chris. (laughs) Oh, I know.
1: It's tragic. (laughs) What are you looking down the pike at thinking this is the next thing I need to address?
0: Yeah, I think we, like a lot of content marketers, look, we have in the past at the current organization I'm at, looked at a lot of brand awareness and lead gen. And so now we're really looking forward to some of that very low on the funnel type of content that is going to be hard to track whether or not it's doing super well, but it's what we need. So that's where we're really putting a lot of our attention.
1: Well, the way I think about it, it's going to be measurable in sales velocity, essentially. If you're moving more deals through the funnel faster, Mm. it's likely that one of the reasons why is that middle to end of the funnel content. You can never really know, but if you look at the last 12 months of performance and then you make a change and look at the next 12 months of performance, you should be able to see velocity shift as a result of better content designed for that stage helping customers through the purchasing process. That's a thing that we're going through here as well is how do I look at product marketing and build that into the content engine or into the revenue engine? And it's largely, I mean, think ROI tools, think business case cases, customer reference cases, all the things that come out of that group, what's the purpose? Sell faster. So if we are in fact selling more effectively, higher conversion rate in a shorter amount of time, we can put some benefit back on the content team and the product marketing team. And so there is right now bonusing going on in those groups associated to weighted pipeline. So the percentage of unweighted pipeline that we think is going to close based on the stage that it's moved to. So if we're hitting our weighted pipeline goals, it could be that it's partially because of that content. So hooray for product marketing. It might not be, but it's likely it is. And mm-hmm. so just a way to bring them into that revenue engine and make that team think more about the end result. It's not just the creation of this content, it's the purpose of the content, which is right. driving deals faster. Don't know if it's right or wrong, but it's definitely what I'm doing right now.
0: Yep, I'm with you. I'm gonna take all the credit when we sell more.
1: <laughs> Fantastic. and But that's what you're out to do. You're putting tools in place that are designed to lubricate the whole sales process. It just makes it easier. At the beginning of the funnel, you're being found. That's obvious. Then you're converting somebody into interest. That's obvious. But are you educating them to a point where they're ready to take the deal to the economic buyer in the business because they recognize the value and they're willing to stand up for it? We don't think about that in marketing as much because it's a sales thing. How are they doing that? We should be providing them that content and everything that goes around that to drive through validation into purchase. It's exciting when you think about that full content lifecycle and how we can impact the rest of the process. Also a little terrifying. And if your bonus is tied to that, challenging. Yeah. But all things said, it makes what we do a lot more critical in the eyes of the company.
0: Yeah. And I would say that the journalism background has kind of helped me in that I've come in and done a lot of like interviews around the organization to kind of see what's being assumed and what are you actually hearing? Like, what is it that's actually missing the mark? What are you actually using and when are you using it and how are you using it? And so I think doing some of that investigation at the forefront has really helped to lay the foundation for where we're headed, or at least I totally. hope for where we're headed.
1: Well, absolutely, because I mean, you create a piece of content and you think this is amazing. This is the right. one. This is gonna do this it. This is and the one. <laughs> you put it out and it's now it's in post publication, it's out in the world, and it doesn't perform. Might just be that people in the world are dumb but it might be that there are things that you can do to make that piece and future pieces more valuable. And so what you're doing and going out and trying to understand that is bringing that full circle and educating the process of this didn't work. I'm going to take the best from these things, continue the strategy build around what's working, which is a very mature content approach. Congratulations.
0: Mm -hmm. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Look at you. (laughs) I'm all friends up.
1: This is fantastic. We could talk all day, but I do want to at least allow people to find you in the event that people want to continue this conversation with you. Do you have like a LinkedIn sure. that people could find you on?
0: Yep, I sure do. It's Lisa, I believe there's an M in there, Spinelli. I think just the regular Lisa Spinelli was already taken up by mm. some chief of agriculture or something. How dare she? And <laughs> very specific role. Um, <laughs> well, it's not like I haven't Googled myself. <laughs> Yep. There is an M in there. So it's Lisa M Spinelli. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. At least I used to be. And pretty much that's where you're going to find me now because I used to do a podcast. I don't have that podcast longer because it used to be with ATD. But I would still say it's a great podcast, The Accidental Trainer. And... Yeah, please don't look at me up on Twitter. I think there's a bunch of really ridiculous photos of me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I guess I know what I'm doing with my afternoon.
0: <laughs> <laughs> there we go.
1: Lisa, thanks for being on the show. I got a lot out of this. I hope our audience did too. Everybody, thanks for joining us and we'll see you next time on WordBirds.
0: Thanks for tuning in. Make sure to join us next time for more insights from people who love words. This podcast was brought to you by Acrolinks. Continue honing your enterprise content by checking out other episodes. At acrolinkscom wordbirds. If you have questions or comments, feel free to get in touch with Chris and his team by sending a message to word.birds at acrolinks.com. That's all for now. See you next time.